Hello everybody, it's me, Matt, and welcome to another episode of Roleplay Chat. I'm a game master who can't stop talking about roleplaying games. And today, I am joined by Jeremy Cobb to talk about consequences and making your games and the decisions of your players consequential. Before we get to that discussion between me and Jeremy, I do want to uh, make a few announcements. So the uh, giveaway, the fantastic giveaway with all kinds of terrain pieces and some D&D uh, &D supplements, uh, that is officially closed on Twitter as of the 14th, end of day, the 14th of March. However, I felt a little bad. I felt like I was forcing folks listening to the show who didn't have a Twitter account to, uh, to make a Twitter account. So if you didn't already do that, if you didn't, you know, go follow the show, uh, roll underscore play underscore chat at Twitter, and you didn't feel like you wanted to make a Twitter account just for that, I'm going to give you guys one last opportunity, uh, one little exception for you, the dedicated listeners of Roleplay Chat. So if you did want to enter and get a chance to win all of the fantastic prizes, uh, the prize pack, I'm going to give listeners until the end of day Thursday, the 17th of March, to send me an email. So as you know, the email for the show is contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And just shoot, shoot an email before the end of day, Thursday, March 17th, saying that you want to enter the giveaway. Maybe give your name and a favorite episode of the show or something like that. Just just, just say hi and, and let me know how you're doing and, and I'll enter you into the giveaway. And I'll be drawing a name at the end of the week. So probably on the, uh, on the Friday of that week, the 18th of March. Other than that, uh, that's kind of the only big announcement I have. I do want to remind you to rate and review the podcast on whatever podcasting service you're using. It really goes a long way to help the help the podcast be heard and be found by new listeners. Or if you want to share the podcast with friends who you think might appreciate these uh, these discussions that I like to think are insightful, uh, please uh, please do. It also would be very appreciated. And uh, without further ado, why don't I introduce you to our to our guest? So I am joined today by the one and only Jeremy Cobb. He is an actor, writer, director, the co-host and resident DM for the Three Black Halflings podcast, uh, which is a fantastic podcast, by the way. You should definitely go, go give it a listen. Uh, he is also a professional dungeon master, a tabletop RPG player whose credits include working with Wizards of the Coast, D&D &D in a Castle, NADPOD, and many more. Uh, without further ado... Jeremy, why don't you say hello to the listeners? Hello to the listeners. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, uh, Matt, for having me. This is really cool. Yeah, my, my pleasure. So, Jeremy, before we dive into consequences and, you know, making player actions consequential, I think our, our listeners would obviously love to hear about you and your history in the tabletop role-playing game hobby. So why don't you give us your your elevator spiel of, of who you are, what uh, mm -hmm. what Three Black Halflings is all about, and also your, you know, the, the systems you like to run and play in. Okay. Um, so, as far as history goes, the first tabletop role-playing game I played was actually one that didn't get released. I, I played it, I first played it back in 2012, but I didn't, or maybe 2011, but I think it was 2012, and it didn't actually get released, interestingly enough, until last year. Uh, fall of last year is when the game actually got released, but it was a, a game that my friend made called Paradox Perfect. Uh, cool. Time travel TTRPG, absolutely crazy. Uh, and 
I didn't really, that was like the only one that I'd ever played for years and years and years. And I was, I had heard of Dungeons and Dragons and seen uh, uh, most notably on Community. Uh, I was a huge Community fan uh, back in the day and they played it twice on there. Um, and then I also had seen it like in Stranger Things and stuff like that, but I had not actually played it myself until I believe it was the winter of 2018 when I first pl I played it for the very first time and then I started DMing the following February. And then uh, what, the second group that I ever DM'd for was actually the cast of a play that I was doing. And among the cast members of that play were uh, Jasper William Cartwright and Jonathan Charles. Jasper William Cartwright ended up having the idea to start Three Black Halflings, and he is my co-host on the show. And Jonathan Charles is our resident bard and has guested in several of our actual play series. And he's going to guest in a couple more coming out later nice. this year. Nice, yes. Nice. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, as far as Three Black Halflings goes, we are a podcast. We primarily, well, we started out primarily dealing with issues of like diversity and inclusivity in D&D &D specifically, and then kind of expanded to diversity and inclusivity in all of nerddom. And then also just, nerd stuff we started giving out gm tips player tips uh we do deep dives into various DD classes and subclasses we are a talk show we do interviews with various DD luminaries we've had matt mercer on the show we've had brennan lee mulligan on the show we've had like half the cast of dimension 20 we've had everybody from nadpod uh not another DD podcast in one capacity or another uh most of them on for interviews and a couple of them on for uh to play as well um, in fact, actually, no, we've had all of them on to play. I just realized because I GM'd, this is very interesting, this earlier this year, I GM'd Paradox Perfect, coming full circle, for the cast of NADPOD. Oh, uh, that must was, have been sweet. It was insane. The yeah. creator, my, one of my best friends, Taylor, was uh, was in the Zoom call. So we got to meet them, and then he was just sitting there, like, listening to us play it. And it was, uh, it's the perfect game for that group because they bring so much chaos and lunacy and that game thrives on that kind of energy. So it is utterly bonkers. It's what is the most insane actual play uh, uh, experience that I've ever had as either a player or a GM. Yeah. I mean, and that's quite the impressive list of people to run games for, you know, that, that's, sh that should have been part of your intro. Has, G has GM'd a game for the NADPOD crew. <laughs> yeah. And Brennan and Lou. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah I, but I got the the chance to talk to Brennan too. He he joined us for an episode. I want to say it was about a year ago now. Mm. Oh man, he's he's awesome. He's got yeah. so much energy, and he's just got so many cool stories. Uh, yeah, he's a very insightful guy. It was a lot. Yeah, of fun. he's absolutely the bomb. dot com. I one hundred percent agree. He's a really really great dude. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So okay, so that those are your systems. That's that's kind of your background, and that's the three black halflings. So I think. Unless there was other things you wanted to talk about, are there any other projects that you wanted to inform the listeners of before we uh, shimmy on over to talk about consequences? Um, I'll just briefly spotlight the fact that we, I didn't really mention the actual play all that much that we do, because I, I, I DM'd for NADPOD in the context of Three Black Halflings. Uh, they kind of all came on the show as guests. And uh, we actually do a fair amount of actual play on the show. The most recent long-form series that we did was called Outlaws and Obelisks. It's uh, set in a post-apocalyptic North Africa-inspired Western setting. 
nice. that we that I had homebrewed, and we I think that's 16 episodes, and that came out last fall. This that being fall of 2021 into winter of 2021. Awesome, that's great. Actual plays are uh, they're so they're a great way also to learn about a system. Uh, you know, especially if it's a new system that you're not too familiar with, or it's a new edition or mm. something like this. I I love listening to actual plays for that. They're how reason. I learned how to play D and D. Oh, like, cool! Uh, I learned how to play D and D really from watching, uh, from watching Dimension Twenty, because uh, I had seen I I talked to some people that I used to go to drama school with, and I was like, "Whoa, I would love to play D and D," and they were like, "Well, our." party is pretty full but you know what go watch critical <laughs> role and let us know how it goes and I we watched... don't want you to play with us go <laughs> watch something else. <laughs> <laughs> and i went off and i tried to watch critical role but i started with campaign one which starts in just the middle of a campaign and look i have since watched uh, multiple episodes of the show I've watched a lot of clips from the show. I think it's a quality show, but it was not a good introduction for me because like the version that's on YouTube has all of their little animatics or whatever they were showing censored entirely. So it's like 10 straight minutes of voiceover with a blurry screen. And like, I don't know who Eddie, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> I don't even know if I made it to them playing the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So eventually... Oh, Jokes on oh, those people. Jo the jokes on those people who didn't didn't play with you. Because now, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day where like they find out. Like maybe we go to a con, like London Comic Con or something, and like I run into them. They're like, "Hey, what's up? What you doing here?" I'm like, "Oh, I got a panel." I'm like, oh, what panel? It's like, no, it's my panel. And they're like, "What?" And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and you just walk on by. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, there were. I, I get where they were coming from. Like, if your party's full. I get not wanting to let some some random dude in, uh, especially because I wasn't like really good friends with them. We knew each other, but we weren't like best buds or whatever. So I get yeah. it. But uh, yeah, the irony, the irony. That's funny. That's funny. And you know what? They're gonna have to suffer the consequences of that decision, which is hey! gonna be. <laughs> Man, bring in the segue. He bringing out the segue. Let's go. Let's do it. Turning so... the ignition and just reeling <laughs> off with this little segue. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm happy to hop on there with you, bro. Into fifth, into fifth gear. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, Jeremy, you know, here on Roleplay Chat, we always like to define our terms. That's kind of the first thing we got to do to make sure you and me are on the same page, mm -hmm. and the listeners are also kind of on the same page. So, I, I think we'll start off with consequences. I, I, although it should be simple, I feel like the simplest mm -hmm. things to define are always the ones that are the most complicated and have the most like caveats and things like that. So mm -hmm. let, you know, I'll, I'll pass you the microphone first. When we say consequences in a role-playing game context, in a tabletop RPG context, what does that mean? Uh, I think the easiest way to define consequences in this context is specifically when it comes to player decision, uh, making sure that when a player's decision, when a player makes a decision, the world reacts to them in such a way that it affects the player back. So whether that's good or bad, say the player decides, you know what, I'm going to burn down this tree. And it's like, okay, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you destroyed an evil spirit that was trying to corrupt the forest. Great. Then again, maybe somebody else really cared about that tree and there were other ways that you could have tried to solve that problem. And down the line, even though you stopped this evil spirit, good on you, these other people are going to come looking to looking to call saying, hey, why, why did you go ahead? Why did you go and destroy this tree that I cared about? Now I got beef with you. Uh, There's a bunch of gnomes 
cooking, yes. cooking cookies, baking cookies in the tree, and now he burned alive, yeah. un, un, like completely oblivious to the evil spirit that was also infecting the tree and uh -huh. corrupting the entire wood. You burned the gnomes alive <laughs> without realizing it, and now the gnomes' family has has come. They've hired a hitman to come after you, and now there's a gnome hitman, a gnome assassin who's just yeah. picking off the party one by one. Oh, that would be that would be gold. You know, you find like. <laughs> Hitman notes in the like you, the inn you sleep in. There's like a note slipped underneath. Like I know yeah. what you did. I know what There's you did like to the cart bombs. Notes. They start they start like putting glyphs of warding underneath everybody's like uh, your little cart. You get it. And you, just, <laughs> you and your horses are explode. Like one person goes, another person gets poisoned. Like <laughs> he's oh, sniping people from another tree. <laughs> like with his crossbow. Yeah. There's all sorts of things you can do with that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, that's fantastic. I know that's a perfect foundation i think for this and i really really like how you said it could be good or it could be bad because i feel like often people kind of fixate on consequences immediately being a negative and obviously most of the time you know that's kind of the easy thing to to make happen but yeah it's kind of like the outcomes right the actions and those actions have outcomes mm -hmm. and I, if i can build on that i really like the idea of the players being confronted by those outcomes. Because if you have those outcomes happen kind of in a vacuum or kind of in behind in your spreadsheets or whatever, and you're like mm -hmm. figuring stuff out in your world building, if it never comes back and is presented to the players, I feel like they're never going to realize that there were consequences. Yeah. Uh, and then you've done all that work for nothing. <laughs> I think you got to try and make the players aware but not just aware of the consequences i think where it really works is if you make them feel the consequences but at the same i really like to have kind of mixed consequences uh or okay here's an example of something that didn't happen but could have happened one of the first arcs one of the first big arcs that i ever ran with like my main adventuring party they had gone deep underground to try and retrieve these people who had been these friends of theirs who had been enslaved by gray dwarves duergar and it they'd uncovered a plot among the ruling class of the duergar to try and synthesize an elder brain that was under their control that would allow them to control the minds of the people in the city because they didn't like that the city was becoming more progressive and people were starting to break away from the like in slavery mindset and blah 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 that they mm. that they were enforcing well the synthesized elder brain had motives of his own and basically the party had a choice of either the, he would like he basically offered because he had one of their long lost fathers also prisoner that was another part of where like because the the long lost father had helped to create him and so he basically gave the players the option i will let you leave with your long lost father and if you turn, if you fix that machine and turn it on, I will let you leave unmolested. You will go out of the borders of the city and you will never have issues with us again. Or if you fight me, I will kill you. And they had to choose like, and he was very confident about his ability to be able to kill them. They had to choose. And had they chosen to turn on the machine, it's true. They would have been able to walk out of the city. It would have been absolutely fine. But what would have happened is that would have given him the power to mind control all the citizens of the city. And what yeah. would have occurred is he would have mind melded them with all of the people in the city so that as he was forcibly walking them out of the city, they would hear the screams, the internal mental screams of all of the people and like and all the people that they've met as well be like, oh, what's happening? And they'd be like aware of what happened and they'd have this sense of like, oh, no. What have we done? Okay, and I had, do? I was going to play Mad World. Well, 
<laughs> it was this whole thing I had lined up. Now, of course, they chose to fight him. But that would have been like a mixed consequence. Because on the one hand, they don't risk death. And they mm-hmm. get kind of what they wanted. They get they get them and all of their friends out. But they consign a, a city to, I guess, eternal slavery. Whereas what if they fight him, then they run the risk of some of them dying. Which one of yeah. them did die? So, oh, man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What I really like about that example, Jeremy, is that on one side of the coin, the consequences were kind of obvious. Like we, we have to fight this thing. So there are risks. There are innate risks that are going to happen, even if it's purely mechanical. Using up spell slots, losing HP, using up consumable items. Like these are these are consequences to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as fancy as like a dramatic moment or a character death or whatever, but it's still technically a consequence. Whereas on the other hand. They maybe had to infer some of those consequences if they had they done had they gone along that route. You know, they would have. Mm-hmm. You would have done a good job making them realize that something bad happened. But what exactly happened is kind of up to their imagination. I'm gonna, if, if you don't mind, Jeremy, I took a few more notes for for what I thought might be an interesting caveat for our definition here. Mm. Um, and and one of them is is something that I want to just kind of make make clear for the listeners, less so much for you, but you know. I want people to really make this distinction that today we're talking about consequences to players and like to their characters, mm-hmm. not so much like punishing people at your table. You're, you're all friends playing at a table. You're not there mm-hmm. to punish one another. You're not there to do something that's going to like ruin the fun of the people at your table. And I think that that's kind of where the conversation becomes interesting is that mm-hmm. a consequence is, it can be something innately negative, but it still has to kind of spark enjoyment in the game yeah. yeah so so that's just you know a little a caveat that i wanted to flag to everybody that we're, we're not here to talk about punishing players and if you're doing that you should stop <laughs> yeah you, i 100 percent agree with you matt the you if you're going to introduce negative consequences you need to be keep in mind that first of all you need to know your players and know like what how far can i go with things but the ultimate point of this is you're trying to make their decisions matter but you're also wanting them to still have fun uh, I could give an example of that too, yeah, where um, this was very recent, actually. The, in the game that I'm running with mostly the same group, as the, uh, but in a new campaign setting, they had infiltrated this center. The whole campaign had basically been building to this. They, they tried to, li- they were planning on infiltrating it covertly under cover of night, but their initial reconnaissance went real poorly and they ended up getting embroiled in a fight right then and there and it became clear like look we gotta it's either we do this now or they're gonna know that we're after them and uh-huh. and they're gonna mess things it, like we're not gonna get another chance we have to do this so they had to push forward they fight their way through this place defeating some very powerful spellcasters along the way people are going down and up down and up down and up they finally fight their way all the way through the basement to the secret lab that's down there with all of the all of the weird horrible and horrible experiments that have been happening and they are confronted with this boogeyman figure it's not actually the name his name is the smiling slaughterman but he's been this boogeyman figure who's been mentioned numerous times during the campaign he's this figure of legend no one saw this coming uh i knew but uh because he was employed <laughs> by the people. basically it's I don't think they realized that this was a possibility, but he was. they had received indications that he was possibly being employed by the people they were going after. And so he shows up and immediately starts taking people down. Like his first turn, a dude goes down right wow. off the bat. People are having to bring him up. People go dropping like flies. 
he sees that one of the, and he hasn't taken a lick of damage because he's able to move out of the way of everybody's attacks and hide. And he recognizes that one of the other characters, a, a winged tiefling who can fly, is casting healing spells and bringing people up back up. So of course he's like, cool, targeting her next. Hits her with a ranged attack, knocks her unconscious, but she's flying, so she falls over 10 feet, smacks into the ground, which means she takes falling damage, which means she automatically fails two death saves. And oh because gosh. of his ability, his his blades cause a bleed effect that means you automatically take damage at the start of your next turn. And her turn was immediately after his. So there was no opportunity for anybody to heal her, which meant that basically she just automatically died. And as... As she was dying, she used her, like, dying words to try and call out to her patron, who is Mephistopheles, uh, and be like, yo, I will do whatever you want. I will kill whoever you want. Please help me and my friends right now. And I'm like, roll persuasion. She's a bard warlock uh, multi-class, so her pers- and she's also a, an eloquence bard, so her persuasion is bonkers anyway, and she rolls a natural <laughs> 20, so I think it was something like a 30 uh, and wow. I was like, all right. Well, and there's so, a time to get a natural 20. That's the time, right? It was like, extremely dramatic. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were looking at a potential, potentially multiple deaths. If, they, if Even if they tried to run away, this could turn out very poorly for them. And what happened was, as essentially a consequence of her actions, the Mephistopheles heard her and decided to bring the entire party and all of the other people who'd been held captive there to hell. Uh, he just kind of yanked their souls, he yoinked their souls out of their bodies, and then plopped them there. Didn't really kill them, but in the process, it also kicked off the room's self-destruct cycle. And so their bodies got completely destroyed, along with all of their stuff. So their their bodies are dead, even though their souls are technically alive. And they're all now in hell, and in order to... And then that kicks off, like, that could have been like, ah, uh, I'm just going to punish you. But instead, it's like, well, no, let's... First of all, they all get to go to a new environment. So that's already like, ooh, and especially if your players enjoy some horror elements to a campaign, you can have really grotesque devils showing up. They also had the opportunity to try and win their bodies back. And one of the ways they, the way they chose to do that is by going on a mission into the Shadowfell to try and take out a vampire on behalf, uh, like on behalf of Mephistopheles. And then in exchange for this, they get their bodies back and stuff. So essentially what we have is like, cool, well, we've just unlocked a side quest and we're all going to get to go to a new setting and explore all these new things and see a whole new side of this campaign. Uh, So that player's decisions and the player's decisions all along led to a spot where now we have a whole bunch of new campaign possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, players love information. Information is such a fantastic reward to give players opportunities are such a fantastic reward to give players. Sure. It's not like a magic sword or like a shield that gives you extra AC, but like, even if it's not mechanical, those are the rewards that tend to make people happier. I, I, in my experience, mm-hmm. are things that, you know, information-based, opportunity-based. So that, that sounds yeah. like a really cool situation. All right. So I, I think we're on the same page as to what yeah. the consequences, unless there were any other things, Jeremy, that you felt were, uh, were missing. No, I think it's just a matter of identifying what would be an appropriate and fun thing to have happen as a result of these of your players decisions it's i think that's easier said than done right that's definitely something that can be quite a challenge i have a really good job i do a pretty good job making 
consequences that are on kind of both ends of the goalpost. So, you know, the smaller scale consequences where somebody does something that's maybe rubs an NPC the wrong way or rubs a faction mm-hmm. the wrong way and they kind of get a little tap on the wrist. Maybe there's a, a small bounty that goes up, nothing too severe, you know, mm-hmm. bring in alive, get a bounty, and they see that as they go through like the bar or what have you. Mm. Or they get like, you can't come back to my shop, not allowed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sell to you anymore. Get out of here. Yeah. Or I'm calling the city guards. Yeah. And then the opposite of that is, yeah, like, you know, character death or uh, very severe, like, you're never allowed back. As soon as you walk back into this place, the guards are going to arrest you on the spot and you're going to jail for a really long time. Like, you're going to be a trial by fire or whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I have a really hard time finding kind of the middle of that. And I was wondering, mm-hmm. Jeremy, if, if that's something that you have advice uh, for me and for the listeners because uh, there was a few people on Twitter who, who also told me that that was something that they struggled with. Um, I think it's it's part of it is also looking at things outside of the binary that D&D can sometimes fall into, which is yeah. basically combat, combat and RP. You can create a situation where maybe it's not like the guards will attack you on sight. It's more like you are being taken to court. Like these people want to sue you. And if you try and leave... Now you're, then it's like, depending on how wealthy they are, maybe it's like, if they're poor, okay, your reputation suffers. But if they're rich, maybe they hire somebody to come and uh, come after you and be like, no, 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 no. This is, uh, I'm going to put you in a position where you need to either pay a fine or we're going to court, or we can talk about, we can settle this, you know, uh, a little more aggressively. Like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. there are, but there's different ways. Like the, the way that I, the way that I'm seeing it is like, say these players, uh, the initial step is like, they disrespect the shop owner, right? Uh, they're just rude to him. Okay. Mm-hmm. I could see where the shop owner starts making, uh, bumping up prices in response. Well, let's say the players retaliate by robbing him. Okay. Well, if they're robbing him, then I think the next step would be I'm going to call the guards and they're going to try and settle this. And it doesn't have to be like an immediate violent thing. The guards can just show up and be like, yo, what's going on here? We need to take you in front of, you know, the magistrate or the judge or whoever just to settle what's going on here and talk this out. And if the players decide to just act, like to me, that's a reasonable response yeah, and yeah. and could create a really interesting encounter because now it's like you, whoever is a role player gets to step forward and try and talk their way out of this. And you want it to not escalate to violence, if possible. Because if it escalates to violence, this could really get out of hand. Because then you have to potentially fight off an entire town guard. And potentially, this could ruin your reputation throughout whatever country you're in. Or at least around the surrounding towns. So that suddenly it becomes an issue of you having to be like, look, is there some way we can atone for this? Like, there's I, The way I see that as like story potential. I guess the, I don't see it as like, we have to escalate all the way to like absolute consequences what it creates for me is story potential so the the story potential initially is you don't have to talk your way out of the problem with the magistrate then it becomes or uh you have to excuse me the shop owner then it becomes guards or magistrate then it potentially becomes oh we have we have done such a bad thing that our name is mud in this kingdom we need to like find somebody who will hire us to do a job or find something bad and stop it 
and <laughs> prove to everybody, look, we're sorry, we did this thing, please. Like, Forgive us, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let bygones be bygones. We slew this dragon who was terrorizing half the countryside, uh, something like that. You know, things like that. I think that's story potential for me. That that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I really like that you brought it from, from a character's perspective too, right? Because I think when we think about what an appropriate consequence to an action might be, that's going to be dictated by what the NPC or like the, the NPC you're you're playing as mm-hmm. their motivations, their perspectives are going to kind of educate their response. So I, I think mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, like you're saying, if you're the shopkeeper, you have a, you have a perspective, you know what your level of escalation is that's calling the city guard. Or yeah. if, if you are a villager in a town, brother was killed because of some hoodlums in town Mm-hmm. Well, that's your perspective, and you're going to bring that up. You're going to you're going to fight for for your family. You're going to mm-hmm. you're going to try to make your voice be heard. Things like that. Yeah. So that's really cool. I, I like that a lot. And I think also I think another thing is to in that storyline, you can also introduce other ways of looking at it. There could be characters who show up and are like, you know, we this doesn't have to go this way. Like if we just talk this out, this may have been an understanding, a misunderstanding. And also the question of like, why are you behaving this way? I think if mm-hmm. the players continue down that road, if as long as they're not, you know, murder hobos or it's not a campaign where they just really want to yeah. kill stuff, get loot. Like if if they're trying to get into like an immersive RP heavy world, I think it's also appropriate for somebody, a character to show up and be like, but why are you behaving this way? Like, why are you reacting that way? Like they... I think if you look at it from their perspective, this other, the character that you harmed or wronged perspective, they were completely justified. It's one thing if they had escalated from you stealing something to then trying to kill your whole party. That's, that's one thing, but Mm -hmm. they simply tried to get compensation and they're just trying to make their way in this world. You all probably have way more money than they do. So like this, absolutely, you know, or maybe it turns out this shop keeps actually a douche. And the whole town's like, yeah, you know what? No, this guy, we don't like this guy either. Uh, and, and they're like, you know what? In fact, we kind of like the cut of your jib. Like maybe they talk to them so well that they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. end up being like, yeah, we don't even like that guy. You guys can become our new guards or part of the guards. You're like, uh, you're like Offer the them a job board. on the spot. Yeah. You're the SWAT team that we send in like in the, in the worst cases. Absolutely. That sounds cool. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and you know what? That also gives you an out if you accidentally – that example of, of the, the, the douchey shopkeeper is that you know, if, if you as a game master accidentally escalate the consequences too much, that's, that's a good out to, <laughs> good out to have in your back pocket. Um, <laughs> or like the, the magistrate is just so stressed. Like the king is like, look, can we just – okay, you guys are clearly powerful. Just go kill the dragon. Just kill yeah. the dragon. I have, I have not, I'm not devoting any more resources to this. You've already killed several of my best men. Just go out and do that. You don't want a war. Come on. I don't want to spend the resources on it. And you don't want to die. Just go off and kill the dragon. And I'll even give you land. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, there's <laughs> yeah, so many different yeah, ways yeah. to solve that. That can be really interesting. And I think something that's kind of baked into all this, and maybe we should have mentioned it earlier, and it's just coming to my coming to me now, is that I think for consequences, for them to work, you you have to have player buy-in, right? Your players have to be. You mentioned it when in your, in your example. If they're just a bunch of murder hobos, then then you're not going to be spending a whole lot of time thinking about consequences because they yeah. don't they don't care. They they don't care about the consequences of their actions. You don't have to you don't have to lose sleep as a game master trying to come up with consequences for the things that they're doing or pre- you know prevent 
providing them interesting opportunities, interesting choices that have this like flexibility of if I do this thing, oh, what's going to happen? Or if I do this other thing, oh, uh, the other side of the coin is going to come up, come around and there's pros and cons. They're not going to make that, they're not going to have that desire to kind of weigh the balance of what their decisions are, you know, what they're going to do. Yeah. So, so that's another, maybe a little quick caveat. If, if you're there with a group of people who just want to go and kill monsters, go do your dungeon delve, go do, mm-hmm. go do something like that instead. Um, yeah. yeah. But although in the case of murder hobos, I guess your consequences then have to be, you have to look at what they're concerned about. If what they want is the loot, well, maybe because of the way they did this, the loot, uh, there's another rival gang that got the loot first because they mm-hmm. were careless about something or they let some bad, like some bad guy escaped or maybe they killed a bad guy. Like you can still have the element of like, you killed this person. So now this other person shows up seeking revenge because you like having combat and you like winning. And this gives you an opportunity to win against these people, but it also shows that the world is responding to what you do on yeah. some level, even if it's not on a level that the players don't want to get involved with, which is like a bunch of drama, you can still have some bad guy whose motivation is something the party did in the past. Mm, that's true. That's true. Or, or like you said, think of the things that the, the party likes, the, the, thing, the things that the party wants, and how do you mm-hmm. kind of present obstacles to to that so yeah if they want to go get the magic artifact at the bottom of the dungeon and fight a bunch of monsters you make that difficult you make the co- mm-hmm. you, you put in an obstacle where yeah there is the renown has grown so much that there's now a competing group of adventurers who's going <laughs> to try and beat them to the artifact or whatever and, and that's yeah it. yeah and there's also matt there's also the idea of immediate consequences which is kind of a thing in D. if you i mean the most basic one is if you fail a check or miss an attack you roll too low. Oh, well, you don't get to do damage this round. Uh, or you run away without disengaging. Oh, you get an opportunity attack. There are, there are immediate and small-scale consequences, even as simple as that. And even in the case of the shopkeep, maybe he has a, an alarm system that shocks people when they try to steal stuff. So the, the the consequence isn't even that it becomes a drama thing. They grab it and get, get hit with like a shocking grasp and take a bunch of damage. And they're like, oh. I can't steal the stuff. And the shop keeps like, aha, like I got you. <laughs> mm, that's true. I really like that. Yeah. 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 Affect, affect the things that affect the things that matter to the players uh, mm-hmm. without removing the fun, without removing the fun of it. Right. That's yeah. You're just presenting a challenge. In my experience, putting the things that the characters care about in danger adds an element of like, it. first of all, it gives it a very clear and immediate goal. And it also means they get a big sense of satisfaction when they win. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, and I think that's one of the fundamental objectives of a game master, right? Is to strike this balance between enabling your players and and challenging them. And like mm-hmm. you got you got the slack line, and you're oh you're giving them a little bit of slack, and then oh no now it's real tight. Now now there's no room for slack. And then mm-hmm. trying trying to balance that out that that's the fun that's the beauty the art of game mastering <laughs> yeah like the balance between you feel really strong and you feel scared <laughs> and, how, and how scary this big this this terrible thing is this big threat this big threat is scary but also you feel really strong here and it's like and then when you defeat the big thing you're like now i feel even stronger uh so that's that's like the long that's at least for me the long advantage of having big challenges like that yeah, super cool. Are, are there other things that you, you know, other things that come to mind when you think about striking balance, uh, especially as it comes as, you know, when we're thinking of situations 
with ramifications. At least mm-hmm. for me, when I plan situations where there's kind of a tipping point, players have to make a decision. There's going to be consequences either way. How do you how do you plan that out in a way that it's it's fun? You know, there there is a, there is a risk, there is a challenge, but presenting it in such a way that the players, I guess, first of all, it's telegraphed that there is, you, you know, we're at a tipping point, mm-hmm. and second of all, that. Depend, you know, regardless of which way you go, some good stuff and some bad stuff is going to happen. How do you telegraph that to players, or how do you make that an enjoyable moment? I think the first thing is that everybody needs to be on the same page going in about what their expectations are for the campaign. So if they're into like long form stories, then you could have you can delay payoff. You can have long stories where maybe they lose a few times and then eventually win, or maybe they're not sure if they're going to win. Like, because it's a long thing and they're not necessarily sure what the plot is or are not maybe not sure exactly who the bad guys are. There's mystery elements, but then they solve the mysteries and they get satisfaction from solving the mystery. Or maybe yeah. they find stuff along the way. I think for me, it's a matter because I've done I've done various longer form stories. And I think it's about there. You have the prize at the end. But before then, you want to try and put in opportunities for them to win. But then also for things to get turned on them. So like maybe it's one example is with that same group. They after the incident in with the Duergar, the there was a coup attempt in the kingdom that they normally lived in, which is above ground. And they found out about it during one of the characters weddings when the wedding was attacked. And they had to then respond to that. But because they let one of the bad guys go, who was in a position of power, he then went and claimed that they were the ones who orchestrated the attack and, and had kidnapped the Earl of that region. And then basically they became outlaws. And so they were on the run for a long time and they were agents of the bad guys being sent after them. And it, but they would fight and they'd either escape in some cases, or they'd win individual victories in the midst of that, or they'd arrive at a cool spot and get to experience some really positive stuff. And then I'm like, cool, you got this to this spot and you get some cool items and they're like yeah and then they move on and they encounter more challenges and maybe they win a battle here or maybe at one point they fail one thing they have to run away eventually they find the princess who is the rightful heir to the throne but whose brother is actually in on the coup and had framed her for murdering their father and they're like cool we're gonna help you take this kingdom back we sneak back through like we pull off this amazing operation to get you back on the throne only to discover the guy who was helping us this whole time was the big bad and we did not realize it even though they were all these clues and we're like oh no and now he steals one of the npcs one of their favorite npcs kidnaps the guy and is going to use him for this horrible ritual that's going to completely wipe out the whole kingdom and they're like well we got to go to war and what but along and then going into the big war there was I was, I said to them, like, I, I, part of it was that I literally told them, I was like, look, I am not going to try and save you guys. If you win, you win. And if you lose, you lose. I'm going to try and put challenges in your way. Your characters are high enough level now that I'm going to put in challenges that could very easily result in a character death, possibly mm-hmm. even more than one character death. So you guys have got to bring it. And they were okay with that up front. And so I brought it and they brought it and they ended up winning. But in the aftermath of that, they all had to make decisions about how their characters are going to exist in this kingdom after this, because there's all this paranoia and turmoil in the kingdom. And so some of them 
were kind of persona non grata in the kingdom. One of them ended up take adopting a bunch of children who otherwise might have died and taking them all to like the sanctuary place, which is mm-hmm. a complete huge development for their character who used to be a big time loner. And now she's, uh, she's like the mother figure to ho- literally hundreds of children. <laughs> uh, and it's like, essentially what I'm trying to say is what you need to do is make sure that everybody's on the same page ahead of time so that yeah. everybody has the right expectations. And then along the way, uh, give them clear mini goals. Like you need to get from here to here. And you need to, and, uh, and while you're getting from here to there, you need to avoid these things or beat these things. And when you do those beat, and you when you beat those things, it's like yes, we succeeded. And then you arrived at the spot you were trying to get. Great, you get some rewards, and now you have to go from here to here and try and do this thing. And it's essentially breaking it up into steps and having areas where there are like mini bosses essentially along the way, and they yeah. get cool items and meet interesting and cool people and see interesting and places and so forth. I, I actually think that that is a superb example. And I really like the character growth piece because I think that when you talk about that, when you talk about a character developing, maybe turning a new stone, learning something about themselves, that's something that I think consequences in a game does exceptionally well, right? Because when a, when a character needs to be put face to face with the results of an action that they've done and kind of internalize that and be like, oh, this is because of me. How do I how do I live with myself knowing that there's all these children that are now without parents, that are mm-hmm. now in an orphanage? You know, it, it really provides this opportunity for character growth. So despite it being on the surface, a bunch of orphaned children is a terrible, terrible thing. But mm-hmm. having a character come to that realization that maybe now I'm going to take on this responsibility, I'm going to find them a safe place to live that as a player coming up with that and then executing that is extremely gratifying right so mm. it's yeah it's 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 this consequence that has a lot of gravitas to it but so does the player's ability to develop their character forward i think that that presents a really fun um, a fun opportunity for them and you also brought up something else and now i'm i'm forgetting what it was you were talking about the kingdom. Oh, yes. Okay. So I, I think something that I liked about your example that you, you talked about, Jeremy, was how there are outside forces also pushing in, trying to impose their will on the party. So having this 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 come from two sides, right? From within, where you have to mm-hmm. respond to your party, and from outside, from the king or from your tribe or other groups that are kind of recognizing this growth in power and the consequence to your action isn't necessarily bad or good, but it's now you have to deal with this group realizing that you've gained more power. So having this infighting and outfighting, is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> having yeah, we'll it from... <laughs> infighting and outfighting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Having that come from kind of both sides, I think creates a really interesting dynamic that makes players really think about, right? Really think about, how am I going to deal with this? Because you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to harm the people in your party. You're, yeah. you're, you have this innate understanding as a group that you're working together. Even, even if your characters aren't working together, you as players are working together. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that, and then there's don't upset your tribe. You don't want to upset the kingdom. You don't want to upset the the guild that's coming after you. So it's this delicate balance. I really like that a lot. Um, 
Yeah, I have yeah. one other question for you, Jeremy, and it's more of a you know baby's first consequences type of question, and it's something that I like to I like to ask guests, especially when we have something as actionable as consequences, and it's. You know, if you have a new game master in front of you, mm-hmm. maybe someone who a close friend of yours who's never played role playing games before, and they wanna they wanna game master a game, and and they wanna know how how do they implement consequences? What's a what's an easy first attempt or or some advice you might give to a new listener who's looking to make their character actions more consequential? You want to start small. The very first campaign that I ever did was just like a one off. It was supposed to be like, it, it led into all the stuff that I'm describing, but it started as just them going on an expedition into the forest and discovering a group of, of min, we call them minotaurs, because they were like three foot tall minotaurs who were living there, who were being oppressed by this evil elf warlock. And it was, it, every character had an element of like, their backstory that was present in this. One of them was like all about destroying evil. And she, of course, is encountering this evil warlock. One of them's the Minotaur who wants to conquer everything. Well, now he encounters a group of scholarly, hippie, very small Minotaurs that are the complete opposite of what he's always expected of Minotaurs. Uh, One of the characters is wanting to kind of make her way as like her in own independent person. Well, she's the leader of the expedition essentially. So, and this is the first time she's actually gotten business. So now she gets to succeed on this. And then I, the other character, as it turns out, the war, the patron of this warlock was the evil figure that her parents worshiped in the cult. And so there's an immediate emotional connection there, but it's a small, it's like a one shot. You defeat this person, you free the mini tars. It's all good. That's that's like one small thing, uh, you, and that's I mean that's those are consequences. You've gone into the store, the woods. You've chosen to do these things. You've met these people, talked to these people, and you won. And then from there, it spun off into okay, which characters did they like? They liked the mini tars. They liked some of the NPCs. Well, let's then for the next quest have the mini tars get kidnapped. And so now their mission is to go uh, and find the mini tars. Then along the way, one of them discovers. The, uh, the 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 one who was uh, all obsessed with destroying evil was a Duergar dwarf, but she'd never met another one. So now she goes down there and immediately meets one and is like, whoa, it's my people, but they're so different from what I expected. But they're like small things. Like that's a, that's a, that's a one to two session thing. And that's what I would say is, is fine. Yeah, find out what a, an immediate thing that your characters want and then let them try and get it. Yeah, what's really I think what I really like about that too and and kind of would tie into what I would say is make the stakes obvious, right? You make the stakes obvious and personal because by making them personal like you're saying related to each each of the characters kind of has a reason to be there and if they fail then they they realize that they've they've kind of lost out on whatever those stakes were. Whatever the in your in your example they maybe wouldn't free the minitars or the the leader of the party would get a worse reputation wouldn't have her first victory as the you know as a leader of this little squadron so yeah having personal and personal uh personal activities personal quests that are related to the characters and make it obvious that there are stakes like this is what happens if you fail this this is what happens if you don't if if you succeed that kind of thing i yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so yeah perfect great so, uh, uh, you know, before yeah. we get into the conclusion stuff, uh, Jeremy, 
is do you have any parting words or 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 things about consequences that you really you know want to kind of sum up your advice as it relates to to consequences for the listeners? Mm. Yeah, I think for me, consequences, first of all, as I said, I think both of us said at the beginning, the point of including consequences is to give your players a greater sense of agency and influence over the world of the game. The, if they are able to influence the way that the world runs and the way that things happen in this world, they will feel more important and they will feel like they're, they matter. And it won't just be you're taking them along a railroad where nothing they do changes anything. And the, for me, the key to consequences is looking at what your, and this is about communication up front and then throughout the game, uh, in between sessions, talking to the party members, talk uh, about their players and what their care, excuse me, about their characters and what their characters want. Because what the, you want the consequences ideally to be centered around something that the characters care about. And and they you want the the consequences to be delivered in a way that allow them that to then respond in some way. You don't want it to just be a dead end. Even even if you have something like they get arrested, well, introduce an opportunity for them to escape. Let's then see what happens here. You know, like let's try and look at stuff from a from the perspective of creating more story potential and more options for where this story can go rather than trying to cut them off and yeah, punish yeah, them. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, we, we said it a few times as we were talking, but, and you kind of mentioned it here too, you're opening doors while you're presenting what appears to be like an obstacle or something preventative to your players, it should kind of divert the flow in a different direction. And it's like putting a log on a stream of water you know, outside on the on the driveway, the water just mm -hmm. kind of goes around the stick or goes around the log, and it creates new opportunities. That's exactly what a consequence should be, based on the mm -hmm. actions of your players. I think we also talked about how interesting consequences are the ones that are maybe not fully, you know, black or white. There's kind of some gray in there, or at least you have to think about. Yeah. You have to think about your your actions. The players know that there's going to be consequences, but neither of the options is perfect. And and kind of dealing with repercussions that creates yeah. an interesting uh, no brainers are never fun, regardless of the situation, right? You you always want to have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A, a little bit of even even if it's overall a big big win. Just the tiniest bit of gray dabbled in there can really like add an element of like oh, and it yeah, adds a little bit yeah, of depth absolutely. to it, and it gives their players something to role play and things like this. Uh, awesome, perfect. So I think we you know we covered consequences pretty well. Good job, virtual high five. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so with that, Ooh. Jeremy, I wanted to thank you for being on the show. It was a, a, an absolute blast having you to. to to chat all your stories about your your campaigns uh, oh thank you so much for having me this has been really fun i i honestly i could talk about uh i think as a lot of dms feel i if i if there's a campaign that i really really like i could talk about it for a very <laughs> very very long time <laughs> so thank you for humoring me and i hope that this that i was able to dole out some uh, some very helpful advice in in the midst of all. Oh, absolutely, of there were some there were some nuggets in there. There were some great examples. So, uh, thank you. The, the the thanks are all mine. And before you know, we close up the show. Can you remind the listeners about your projects and where they can find you and and all that good stuff? 
All right. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Cobb one. That's Cobb with two B's and the number one. And I guess, I guess there are alternate spellings of Jeremy. So it's J E R E M Y. Uh, and then C O B B one. Uh, I am, you can most often find me on three black halflings, uh, which you can follow on Twitter or Instagram, uh, or Facebook, uh, at, well, it's at the number three black halflings. It used to be at TB halflings, but now it's at the number three black halflings. Uh, and if you like what we do, you can follow us on Patreon. You can donate some money, you get access to all kinds of bonus episodes, behind the scenes episodes. You'll hear, we do these things called kickbacks where we'll just be one of us hanging out with somebody for a while. I just recorded one with Caldwell Tanner from NADPOD recently. It was a blast, lots of jokes. Uh, so, and I think I think Jasper did one with Jake Hurwitz from NADPOD, uh, but there's all sorts of other ones on there. There's a whole trove of things. And there's, and really, because of the show is such a variety show, there's kind of something for everybody. If you like interviews, we got those. If you like discussions, we got those. If you like people just hanging out and laughing a lot, we got a whole lot of that. And if you like actual play, we got a lot of that too. So that's pretty much it for me. You can find me, I guess, if you if you look me up on YouTube, you can see examples of me DMing things. Uh, I've DMed for Wizards of the Coast a couple of times. I also just recently played Paradox Perfect with the some of the cast of Dicebreaker, the YouTube channel Dicebreaker. So we did like a two-part episode, one of character creation, world building, and one of a, an adventure that I wrote. So, you know, I'm awesome. I'm yeah, and up I, all I can definitely vouch for Three Black Halflings. The, the atmosphere you guys foster, while sometimes talking about, you know, pretty serious stuff, still is light and, and you know, it's light when it needs to be. So I, I can definitely appreciate that. And I can appreciate what you guys are. I mean, I recently listened to your monk episode and that was, that was a, that was a good time. That was the least informative deep dive we've done. And in some ways the most informative deep dive. It was, it was something. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend that folks go, go check it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Th thanks again, Jeremy. It was a, a pleasure, and with that, let's call it a chat.